This is our final week on this, and then next week we're going to start looking at joy, which I think is one of the ultimate ways to defeat anger. But more than what I think, Jesus said it. So we've talked about some roots. We've talked about our own anger and what really kind of motivates it, so to speak. What do you guys remember from what we've talked about with the roots of anger? What are some of them? We just talk, talked about three, but it encompasses so much. But what do you think or what do you remember some of the roots of anger? Yeah, Mandy. Pride. pride. And can somebody, maybe, will you describe what pride is according to Jesus? Ooh, feeling like we're more important than what we think is more important than what God says. Is that, is that good? Yeah. What are some other roots of anger? Yeah, Michelle. Selfish ambition. Selfish ambition. Yeah, I do. Oh, it's about you. Good. I thought you were going to say it about me. By all means, come on. How dare they? Yes. You have righteous indignation. This road. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. Fear. Fear. What are some of the things we're afraid of? Failure, for sure. Getting out of control? Anything we can't control. Anything we can't control. What else? The unknown. Fear we can really have an amazing victory in Christ if we exchange the fear of people and things for the fear of the Lord, right? We've talked a lot about that. And I think, yeah, Adedayo, your hand was up. Um, our own sin. Our own sin is a root of anger. <laughs> Regret. Regret, all of it. Gosh, you guys, and we justify it. Well, nobody's perfect. <laughs> Does that ever work? I mean, kind of. It works in our heads. Sort of. Hey, we're going to talk today about hidden anger, and boy, we could have gone a lot of directions about this. This is the stuff that doesn't really look like anger. It may not look great, but it doesn't look like anger. It just comes out like it, and it is. Would you join me? Luke 7, and we're going to go 36 through 48, and then the last two verses We'll jump in there, and I wanted to give you a little bit of the, the elders um, are going through or finished this book, Unoffendable, by Brant Hansen. It is a truly offensive book. <laughs> it's really profound, and I'm going to quote it at least once today, and we're going to go through a discussion later on at our elder board for it, and I ask that you would pray for us as we don't only lead, but be led by the Spirit. We don't lead the Spirit at all. I don't want to make it sound like that. So here we go, Luke 7, 36 through 48. Lord Jesus, open up our eyes and our ears and our hearts by your spirit to your word for your glory and our good in your name, amen. One of the Pharisees asked Jesus, if you don't remember what a Pharisee is, a religious leader, hardcore, in charge, teach people how to follow God. One of the Pharisees asked him to eat with him and Jesus went into the Pharisee's house and reclined at table. You guys don't remember, their tables were low, not big like ours, and they would lay kind of on their side and eat, kind of feet behind them, kind of a chill situation. And behold, a woman of the city, who was a sinner, 
when she learned that he was reclining at table in the Pharisee's house, brought an alabaster flask of ointment or oil. There's this weird debate. <laughs> like people get mad at each other. Over, it wasn't ointment. It was oil. There was people that broke into King Tut's tomb and they didn't even steal the gold and the silver and all the trinkets. They stole the oil because the oil is so amazing. Don't call it ointment. You're selling short what this woman did. And I was like, what? You guys are arguing about this? I want the word to be the word, and I think we should take it serious and literal, all of those things, but goodness. Some of you can really describe the difference between ointment and oil, and it means a lot to you. Some of you are like, what's alabaster? I mean, you, you, you didn't even... <laughs> Same, I mean, it's gorgeous, beautiful, it had to be broken, all kinds of stuff. But this woman, who was a sinner, like we all are, but she was known as that, probably some level of sexual sin, likely a prostitute. But she saw that Jesus was at the house. That sounds a little bit weird. Until you realize they were in the desert, <laughs> so they had an open seating arrangement, and house Right, The home plan, the, the plan of all of those homes had outside seating. And people could see. And they could come in and listen to what the rich and famous were talking about. But she didn't just listen. She didn't just know, oh, he's there. I hope to get an audience with him. She broke through all kinds of norms and traditions in their culture. Standing behind Jesus at his feet, weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears and wipe them with the hair of her head and kissed his feet and anointed them with the ointment. Now when the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, if this man were a prophet, he would have known who and what sort of woman this is who's touching him, for she's a sinner. What's his attitude towards this woman? Not worthy, disdain. What's his attitude towards Jesus? His guest. The same. Disdain. Questioning. Cynical. Critical. Wants to prove him a fraud. I don't know what all happened because at other times he was invited to things so they could catch him up. This sounds like a meal to me. You ever wonder about that sometimes? Somebody invites you out for coffee. Somebody invites you to a meal. Amway. Amway. Look, and in this house, if you're into that and it's working for you, praise God. You know what? Be honest with it and all that. But yeah, Kathy and I, in the first year and a half of our marriage, had 57 different people invite us to talk about diversifying our income. <laughs> do you like what you're doing? What do you mean? Hey, I saw you with your wife and your kids, and you seem like a real positive person. I'm expanding my business. I'm like, bro, I don't even know you. 
You saw me with my wife and kids. That's cool, but creepy a little bit. But yeah, I mean, there's that. But how about, like, as the elders, we're trying to call those who have gone through membership and trying to check in on them and see how they're doing and how things are going. <laughs> and we had a conversation out in the parking lot and you're like, is, there, is everything okay? Well, yeah, everything's fine, right? Like if I call somebody or you call somebody and you're like, man, I'd love to get together with you. What might be the first thing that goes on in our minds? Oh, what did I do wrong? <laughs> invited into the principal's office. <laughs> Not just pastors, but like, People, how about, man, it's been so long since we've talked. This guy invited Jesus to his house, and Jesus, knowing everything, showed up. This guy, not knowing everything, didn't expect this woman to show up. Let's watch what happens. He questions in his heart, okay? Says, says to himself, this, if this man were a prophet, he'd have known who and what sort of woman this is who's touching him, for she's a sinner, and Jesus answering, answering what? Yeah, friends, let that sink in over and over again. He knows you. He knows everything about you and still loves us. How cool. So Jesus answered him and he said, Simon, I have something to say to you. <laughs> Could you imagine? Busted, right? It's just like, he says, Say it, teacher, which seems to me, I've tried to look into this. It's basically like a, okay, please, by all means, speak. Friend of mine, he's Spanish, and he speaks Spanish and English. We were on a mission trip with, uh, where are you at, Chris? We were in Nicaragua, and <clears throat> the phone rings, and he goes, digame. If you don't know what that means, it's speak to me. <laughs> That's how he answered the phone. I'm like, oh, you're it, aren't you? Oh, Speak. But he's just saying, like, speak, teacher, say it. A certain money lender, oh, it's story time, had two debtors, that's two people that owed him. One owed 500 denarii, maybe $60,000 in today's money, and the other 50 denarii, which is probably about $6,000. So they both owed him money. When they could not pay, he canceled the debt of both. Now, which of them will love him more? You guys ever owed money to anybody? <clears throat> Don't raise your hand. <clears throat> you ever had somebody say, "Don't worry about it"? That does a weird thing inside of you, doesn't it? Generally, male or female, you're like, "No, no, it's my debt," and you pay it off. Some of you're like, "Thank you," <laughs> and some of you're like, "I'm gonna pay it back somehow, somewhere." But Jesus said, when they couldn't pay it back, he canceled the debt of both. Now which of them would love him more? Simon answered, well, <clears throat> the one, I suppose, for whom he canceled the larger debt. And Jesus said to him, you have judged rightly. I absolutely love Jesus so much. I believe that he is God. And that's the reason to love him. He's also so amazingly into our business. He says to him, you've judged rightly. Previously, he judged real poorly. 
And Jesus called him out on it in the thoughts of his head, and he called him out loud. You've judged rightly. Then turning toward the woman, still speaking to Simon, he says, do you see this woman? I entered your house, and you gave me no water for my feet, which was a common courtesy, much less to somebody you invite to your house. And their feet were nasty. That was their means of transportation, dusty streets, all of it, right? So you gave me no water for my feet, but she has wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You gave me no kiss. Now that's like, what? In that culture still to this day, a kiss on each cheek is like a welcome, a greeting. Peace be with you. But she hasn't ceased kissing my feet. You did not anoint my head with oil. Again, common courtesy. Hey, it's been a long day. Get yourself together, a little product in your hair, and come sit down. I miss those days. <laughs> it's not that funny, Kathy. <laughs> Sweet little moment yesterday. We were talking with one of the business owners in town here, and um, he said, oh, is this one of your daughters? <laughs> you look amazing. <laughs> So you didn't even give me any oil for my hair, but she's anointed my feet with ointment. Therefore I tell you, her sins, which are many, are forgiven. For she loved much, but he who is forgiven little, loves little. And then he says to her, your sins are forgiven. He just announced that her sins were forgiven. But he says specifically to her, this is very personal now, your sins are forgiven. Unless we think, oh, she did all that, she earned her forgiveness. That is not what is said. The story goes, when you've been forgiven much, you love much. She was loving much. And he says, obviously her sins have been forgiven. She's pouring out worship. She's pouring out life. She's pouring out even her dignity. Do you know that for a woman who was a sinner, considered likely by most Bible scholars that she was a prostitute, she would have made money by flipping her hair. She would have used her beauty to get money. Now she's using her beauty to wipe the feet of this rabbi. She's no longer about her identity as a sinner. Most scholars believe that at this point in the chronology of the Gospels, right, the harmony of the Gospels, that she would have likely heard what we've understood in Matthew 11, 28 through 30. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I'll give you rest. Rest for your souls. I'm not here to knock you out, I'm here to set you free. And she believed it. And she came in in the midst of all this. I wanna confirm for you just really quick, according to God's word, where salvation comes from. So if you will, really quickly, we'll turn to Titus. That's in the New Testament, a little further down. You get into the T's, 1 Timothy, 2 Timothy, right? And then you got Titus. 
Titus 3, and I'm going to go 4 through 7, just real quick. But when the goodness and loving kindness of God our Savior appeared, he saved us, not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to his own mercy, by the washing of regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us richly through Jesus Christ our Savior, so that being justified by his grace, we might become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. Let me sum it up just super quickly. You didn't save yourself, only Jesus did. And when he did, he included you in this hope, this inheritance of eternal life, and it comes out in what you do. You don't earn it, you launch from it. Do you guys remember when God gave the laws to the people of Israel? Was it before they got set free from captivity in Egypt, or was it afterwards? So wait a minute, he saved them, and they didn't do anything to deserve it? That ought to be real good news right about now for all of us. We can't earn it. We can receive it. And then he does show us how to go from there, from forgiveness, from salvation. We'll finish up this story back in Luke 4, or excuse me, Luke 7. So he says, she loved much, for he who is forgiven little loves little. And he said to her, your sins are forgiven. Then those who were at table with him began to say, again, among themselves, to themselves, in their minds, who is this who even forgives sins? Why is that a big deal? That he would be forgiving her sins? Sign of Messiah, it's a sign of God. Look, if I ran over your little lawn gnome, and it's your favorite lawn gnome, and it's dismembered and all over the place, and your neighbor comes running out and says to me, hey, you're forgiven. Don't worry about it. You'd be like, it's not your gnome. You don't have no right to forgive that reckless driver. That's not your gnome. Jesus is God. And when you and I sin, we sin first and foremost against him. And then ourselves and then others. And he says, your sins are forgiven. They're like, who is he forgiving sins? Jesus doesn't even respond to them he says to the woman, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. Be whole. You're not who you were before. It's not our faith that's the big deal, although Jesus says your faith has saved you. Who was her faith in? Jesus. Go ahead, we're at church. Jesus. <laughs> Jesus, hallelujah. Seriously, Jesus, that's who? Jesus. Jesus is the one who saves. Jesus is the one in whom she had faith. And Jesus is the one who forgave her and said, go in peace. 
Today, I've noticed in my own life, I'm very quick to be judgmental of people that I pretty much assume know the good news of Jesus and have ignored it or holding it over people's heads. I'm far more gracious and really humble. No, I'm just kidding, but I'm far more gracious with people who don't know the good news. I find myself very cynical and critical of Christians who know the good news and act like they don't. Probably because I know the good news and sometimes act like I don't. I tend to be really critical and cynical of things in others that I struggle with. I know I'm not alone, but I'm not going to ask you to raise your hands or anything. I'll just do it for us. We're a hot mess. And Jesus still loves us. We get distracted. We're not attentive. But he still loves us. One of the things in this book that just kept bringing me back to not being so easily offended, and yet I still battle with that to this day. I'll lovingly say, and this will be on there, what's happening in our parking lot isn't my favorite thing. I've wanted to see something way different than that, and it will, it will get there. It's going to get there. The man that we're working with, I don't know exactly where he's at with Jesus. If I just wanted to be a business type guy with him, we probably would have parted ways by now. But I have a God who doesn't part ways with me because my poop isn't in a group. (laughs) Better yet, and I'm sorry for you that have to explain that to your children, so let me just say this. God isn't expecting me to be perfect. He expects me to take him at his word. And he loves us, and he forgives us. Listen, this is from Brant Hansen's book, Unoffendable. We have to constantly be grateful for our own forgiveness. We start the day with it. We live the day with it. We end the day with it. It defines us. God, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. That's the resource for forgiving others. While forgiveness can benefit anyone of any religious or irreligious sensibility, I'm convinced the only way to really make this work, the only bedrock logical basis for this kind of lifestyle, is our own forgiveness in Christ. That's our strength. That's how we do it. When someone has deeply hurt us, someone who may never say, I'm sorry, that's where we have to go. There's no other place. I was putting um, some wood in this little gap in our driveway this morning. And I was like, gosh, I just hate that there's a gap in our driveway. I hate that it's not done. And I was just praying. I'm praying for my new friend who is running this whole thing. And then just had to come here and try to stay focused. And and I kept thinking, gosh, I just want it to look better and be better and done. And like, Lord, I give this all over to you. 
I love this man. I forgive him. I know it's going to somehow get fixed. Studying and reading and praying, saying a little bit. I look outside probably 40 minutes later and he's out there filling it with dirt. I look out and I see my wife who gives me no reason at all to be critical and cynical of her and yet I can because I forget how much she's forgiven me how much she's loved me and she's only able to do that because she's been so loved and forgiven you want to like test your level of non-offendability drive with your spouse Anybody? <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> I see that hand. <laughs> we had the, you know me. Yeah, you know me. And we went back and forth a little bit on that one. You guys, I pray daily for a lot of different things and a lot of different people. Probably no more than I pray for myself, though. I'm, I'm a work in progress, just like you are. Good morning, Ronnie. Good morning. Oh, the mailman. Mailman Ronnie. Thanks, buddy. Good to see you. I'll take that. The VOA? What time is it? 11.30. It's on, my, it's on my mailman. I just got the delivery. Yeah. Just it out well Ronnie's... <laughs> yeah, give him a hand. Congratulations, Ronnie. Ronnie's graduation, June 13th at 11.30 at the Sky Valley Community Center. I'll be I'm going to be uh, reading there, so everybody has to call. They gave me a book, so that's the first one. Wonderful. I'm so proud of you. Congratulations, Joe. Mm-hmm. 11.30 on June 13th. I can't give you a better picture of what you need to do than not being mad about that. God is so good. So I'll just finish with um, the fact that you and I have to fight between love and hard-heartedness. Which one are you going to believe? Which one are you going to feed? Jesus didn't say, here's the greatest commandment, be hard-hearted towards all the sinners. (laughs) He said, love God with all your heart, your soul, your mind, and your strength, and love your neighbor as you love yourself. That's it. But there is hard-heartedness in every single one of us, and we need to battle it. We need to battle it by dying to ourselves. Would you join me in Romans 2? I'm going to read 1 through 11 for you. And I hope that it impacts you as much as it's been impacting me. Then we're going to talk about what we can do to move towards Jesus. And then we're going to pray. And then we're going to go live it out. This is so good in the book of Romans and much like Pastor John's group, although we're way further ahead than they are in Romans 8. 
we are going through it and our small group on Monday nights. And um, Romans 1 just talks about how God shows himself and people don't want him and they go their own direction. And yet he continually woos and calls them and even convicts them and they just don't want him. And so Romans 2, 1 starts like this. Therefore you have no excuse, O man, or woe man, every one of you who judges. For in passing judgment on another you condemn yourself, because you, the judge, practice the very same things. We know that the judgment of God rightly falls on those who practice such things. This guy's like, that woman's a sinner. She's really gross. And Jesus is like, you both owe stuff you can't pay off. Do you suppose, O oh man, you who judge those who practice such things and yet you do them yourself, that you will escape the judgment of God? Or do you presume on the riches of his kindness and forbearance and patience? Not knowing that God's kindness is meant to lead you to repentance. Not his kindness leads you to judgment and to condemnation, but repentance. Church, tell me what repentance means. Turn around. Don't keep going in the direction of judgment and anger and hate and frustration. Turn around. You do not ever have to tell somebody that what is wrong is right. That's not what repentance means. Repentance is that you stop doing what's wrong, that you turn to what's right, that you thank God for him giving you so much. It's to lead us to repentance, to following him, to doing what he says. There is a judge, friend, you're not it. One day, like in the family of God, we get to say, hey, come on, what do you got going on? There's better for you than this. And if anybody asks you, like we talked about last week, this whole defending the faith is another root of anger. You're not doing what God says. They don't know him. Those who do, we can say, come on now. Where are you at? But lovingly, kindly, gently, build a bridge, cross water. But the condemnation is quick for us. Because we forgot that his kindness is to lead us to repentance. Let's try kindness. Kindness, again, isn't excusing sin. You can point it out, but please do more than that. Point out how they can be forgiven, how they can be loved, how they can go in peace. Then they choose, and if they don't want it, come back for more. But because of your hard and impenitent, unrepentant heart, you're storing up wrath for yourself on the day of wrath when God's righteous judgment will be revealed. He will render to each one according to his works, to those who by patience and well-doing seek for glory and honor and immortality, he'll give eternal life. This is not self-seeking, by the way. He says those who are self-seeking, if you're looking for glory and honor and immortality, friend, where are you going to find it? Not in your actions? In Jesus, do we believe this? Do you need to be redirected towards it? We just took communion. You know what you admitted right there? I needed somebody to die for me because I couldn't pay it myself. We sang these songs, nostalgic or not. By the way, that last one was much more nostalgic. It's actually called a hymn. 
You guys, we, we sing this, you hear this, and so here we go. Those who are self-seeking and do not obey the truth but obey unrighteousness, there will be just wrath and fury. Not if you do so one time or a couple of times, but as a lifestyle. Christian, non-Christian, fellow church member, somebody just kicking the tires. This one's for us. There will be tribulation and distress for every human being who does evil, the Jew first and also the Greek, which covers all humanity. But glory and honor and peace, shalom, oneness with God, unity with the Most High, for everyone who does good, the Jew first and also the Greek, for God shows no partiality. Church, if what you heard right there is, if you just do good, God's going to hook you up. You forgot that the root of the word good is God. You come to him, you submit to him, you repent to him. So how do you and I move towards Jesus? How do we move away from hard-heartedness? We acknowledge love. God's love. In the study by J.D. Greer on Right Now Media for the book of Romans, he says this. Jesus the judge was judged in my place so I don't have to fear judgment. Say it again for those in the back. Jesus the judge was judged in my place so I don't have to fear judgment. So you don't have to fear judgment. You don't have to judge other people. You point them to Jesus. You say, oh, my heart hurts. I see what's happening. You, you ask them. You might even be mad to begin with, but you don't hang on to anger. You're like, oh, gosh, you're hurting, and you're thus hurting other people. Let me show you that there's forgiveness. Let me show you that there's new life. Let me show you that there's a one who knew everything about you and paid your price for you. And so many other things that I say all the time and that you hear all the time and that you read all the time. So how do you move towards Jesus? You let his kindness lead you to repentance. If you haven't been following him and you've been putting him off, whether you're a Christian or not, repent, turn back to him. Today's the day of salvation. Turn to him. I confess you're the Lord. I believe in my heart that God raised you from the dead because you died for me. Lord, you're God. I'm not. Lead me. And some of you, you're in a relationship right now that's dishonoring to God. Whether you're hanging on to bitterness or anger or frustration or whatever, or you're just in sexual sin, whatever that might look like, or you're just lying to each other and you're trying to put the best foot forward because you're really trying to snatch you a man or a woman. Repent. Turn away from that. The only one that gives you life is Jesus, not anybody else. That's like supposed to be very freeing to you. How about for some of you like me who have a past that is really just rough and you can't seem to get over it. You can't seem to forgive yourself and yet you are saying, no, God forgives me. No, you actually maybe haven't even received that forgiveness if you keep hanging on to you being the judge of yourself. Oh my goodness, why not just say, wait a minute, you knew all this and you paid for me? Okay, 
I have been playing church for a while. The reason why I'm really cynical and critical of people is because I'm not really sure you've actually forgiven me. Because I didn't deserve it. Oh, friend, good news. You couldn't. You couldn't deserve it. You couldn't pay for it. So you receive it. Is it that easy? Please don't complicate it. I think we complicate it so we can shoot the gap. We complicate it so we can be like, well, I mean, the Greek says, do you seriously speak Greek? I mean, there's probably three of you, two of you. Let's go to what he said. Simple. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, I'll give you rest. I am the way, the truth, and life. No man comes to the Father except through me. Well, but his story is so much cooler how he came to the Lord. I grew up in a Christian family. I didn't do nothing wrong. Except pride. (laughs) You guys. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. It's on my daughter's hoodie. Such a reminder that it's all about him. His word, his way, his love, his forgiveness. And I will be very straightforward with you, his judgment. Because he is the judge. If you don't have him as savior, you're going to see him as judge. So everybody, come to Jesus. Everybody believe Jesus. Everybody share Jesus. Everybody follow Jesus. And when we blow it, forgive one another. Just as we have been forgiven. That's how we can move towards Jesus. We have a number of questions for you, and I hope that you get into them. The very first one is one I want all of you to hear, so if you can't read that tiny print, um, get on that app, friends. But I'll read it for you. In our series on anger, what are some takeaways for you to live out from what Jesus said and did about anger? We're not just up here trying to spit out stuff that maybe will stick. We're actually trying to honor God and bless people in that order. Let's pray. Father, today and every single day, I recognize that you are awesome and you're kind and you're loving, you're forgiving, and you're terrifyingly holy and perfect. Nobody, absolutely nobody can be like you. Not without your love. I thank you that the woman that we read about wasn't forgiven because of her love, but she loved because she was forgiven. Lord, would that be for us? I trust you, and I praise you, and I lift up my friends that they would see you and believe you, that this family of believers would be the kind of people that are known for their love for you and for each other, that we would be known as people that have seen your kindness and have repented. We'd be known as people that point out what's wrong, but not in some condemning way, but in a, hey, that's going to mess you up. Do you want something different? God, help us to practice that, I pray. Help us to remember to be strong and courageous and to not keep the good news to ourselves. We pray this in your perfect name. Amen.